Today, one in three Americans are suffering from health effects of obesity and diabetes due to poor nutrition. This is why Real Good Foods is on a mission to improve the lives of millions through nutritious foods that are high in protein, low in carbs, and made from real food ingredients. So being very candid with y'all, I definitely associated frozen food with being, frankly, either kind of gross and or just not healthy for me. And so when I got the chance to try Real Good Foods, I was honestly very surprised and pretty delighted by how easy and tasty it was and how good it made me feel because it's made out of real food ingredients. So you can visit realgoodfoods.com and at Real Good Foods on social. You can get $15 off a minimum $15 purchase by using the promo code PLUCKUP15. The link is in our show notes. And stay tuned for my review later in the episode. You're listening to Plucking Up, a podcast that shares uninhibited conversations with celebrated authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and leaders about their pluck-ups. Our guests share their sometimes never-before-told mistakes, rejections, wrong turns in the more difficult seasons of their lives and careers. But they also share with us how they moved on and up and through to keep creating and inspiring others to build lives of purpose, passion, and impact. I'm your lucky and plucky host, Liz Bohannon. Okay, have you ever met someone who's just a ball of delight? You can't really help but get sucked into their orbit of fun. Well, if you don't have that person in your life, then it is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you New York Times bestselling author, podcaster, founder of the That Sounds Fun Network, and my friend, (laughs) it's top of her resume, I'm sure, Annie F. Downs. Here is one of the things that I love about Annie. She is incredibly engaging. She's super spontaneous. She's bursting with positive energy. But she can also provide this very comforting space where you can bring all of your really big feelings, okay? And not just your fun ones, by the way. Truly, Annie is someone that I found myself reaching out to during times of disappointment or sadness, and she's someone who has popped in with words of encouragement and hope when I really needed it. So I want you to know that while she's very fun, She's also very a lot of other amazing things, too. In this episode, we chat about everything from some of Annie's pluck-ups that she has made as a business owner and leader, as well as some unexpected times of loneliness. Spoiler alert, you can be surrounded by people, even adoring people, and still feel alone. Also, if you need some friends to give you permission to go get in your car, shut the door, and just rage then let me tell you, this episode and Annie and I, we are here for you. Okay, so welcome to the Minivan Rage Club. (laughs) All right, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Hi. Hello. I need you to know what happened to me. What? I had a phone call an hour ago, and I went outside to take it, and... The wind blew one time and then the skies opened up and I got soaked from head to foot. I mean, I'm my hair is 
still like I just got out of the shower. Okay, well, let me tell you something. My hair also looks like I just got out of the shower, but it's not from a rainstorm. Uh. It's from grease because I haven't showered in so... I haven't washed my hair in many, many, many days. So yours is at least a fresh and so clean, clean look. Well, it's something, isn't it? So my apologies, but I was like, you know what? If anyone... Plucking up can handle it. If anybody can handle it, plucking, plucking up, can up can handle it. I'm currently in I'm showing up today in leopard bike shorts. I own them. I own the same. Okay, okay. Leopard. Where did you get yours? Target. Same. Okay, leopard mine. bike shorts. I have barf on my shoulders. Oh, I was thinking. You know what? These headphones kind of cover up how bad my hair looks. Yeah, and great. no makeup. So you know, I figured Super. this is how we're gonna do it. Hi. Hi. I'm I was so glad you're healthy. Me too. Dude, I are we going by the way, or is this just us? I mean, it's technically recording, okay, good. but I'm yeah. happy saying this. Okay, I just want to okay. know in my brain. <laughs> okay. I was looking on my in the room where I like read in the mornings. I have mm. all these big sticky notes that are like that size. Oh. And I hang them up because it tells me it helps me remember what to pray for. Mm. And um, otherwise I only pray about what care what matters to me. hundred <laughs> so percent. Yes. I'm just not others focused in that time if I it's not staring at me on the wall. So when you were sick and when you're having your baby, when you're sick with COVID, I wrote you up there and I wrote Mm. all the kids' names and Ben and Sophie had said in the email that came to a lot of our friends. And I was looking at it yesterday because at some point I had written over it, answered, like just written, answered, like, and it was so, because that's what I try to do is I try to mark when God actually answers the things I'm praying so that I can like see it, right? And I was like, man, it's not like I erase you. I go like, not only... Mm. did thousands of us ask God to heal Liz? He did. He did it. And so it is like, it was really beautiful to see. I mean, it was yesterday. I was like, oh my gosh, I can just all turn tomorrow. So thank God. You know, it's funny. I even today on my Instagram wrote this thing. I'm just like processing like everybody, just how Afghanistan and Haiti and- Oh my gosh. All of the things, all of the big heavy things in our world. And there's this sense. And it's like, I truly do believe it. I think like at my the way that I want to live my life is with the belief that thoughts and prayers are not enough. Like at the end of the day, mm. I deeply believe that we also have to be, we are agents and we have to act and we have to advocate and we have to create better systems and communities and relationships that create value and honor and dignity for people. I deeply believe that. Yeah. However, my experience with COVID specifically did change how powerful just the thoughts and prayers thing is. There were people locally that could show up for us in really profound and beautiful ways through just presence and service. But, you know, your community across the world, you know, I think about like our team in Uganda, how they showed up for us. Well, literally all they got, all they got from 10,000 miles away is thoughts and prayers. Right. And it was so much. It was so like to know that so many people are truly and, you know, not to be (laughs) not to judge, but, you know, there's people and they're like, okay, I'm praying for you. You're like, but are you? And then, you know, that but are you? (laughs) I'm just asking. It's like a nice thing to say. And, you know, that's great. But like, are you? And then there's those people that like when they're like, I'm praying for you. You're like, yes, I'm so glad that this person is praying for me because I think I know what that means is that there is, there is like a discipline and a presence and a commitment and this like very deep belief that like morning after morning or night after night, like they are petitioning on my behalf and that's literally all it is. But my Mm -hmm. gosh, it meant a lot. 
it really yeah. meant a lot and it was really, really powerful and has changed even my commitment to being like, I want to be a person that actually carves out the time and the space in my life for that for others. Yeah. Because I do think so often I'm oriented more towards the, yeah, but what are we doing? What are we actually doing? Yes, let's pray. But what are we doing? And again, I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I'm not saying let's do one at the cost of the other, but gosh, it was a learning moment for me for sure. Our um, pastor here at my church in Nashville always says, we don't just pray, but we pray first. Mm, And that's that's been really powerful for me because like all the things you're talking about, I mean, what, what can we do for Afghanistan today? Uh, Nothing, nothing with my body, nothing with my body, right? Except get on my knees and say to the Lord, have mercy on those women, have mercy on those children, have mercy on the men. I mean, there are men that are in bad spots too, but, but to look at the, I mean, I just read an article that already they've taken all the women off of TV and they've taken all the newscasters that are female off of TV and they're painting over posters of women. And I mean, you just go like, there's, I can't go there. I can't do anything, but I am sure of who our God is and I'm sure what he can do. And so I'm just asking him to move, asking him to move where I can't until they give us something we can do. Also, I know we just really dove in here and we're now we're, we're deep in depth <laughs> right? that we're going there. This is not the topic of this podcast. I know, sorry. But it's you like, it's, it. no, also, it's, I no. I can hear myself in your, are you, can you hear me in your headphones? I can hear myself talking I was back. really in close to my mic. You were coming through, through my headphones. Okay. Which okay. I feel like is maybe a tech issue, but also maybe because we're both just so loud. <laughs> I know, I know, very likely. Go ahead with what you're going to say. What I was going to say is that while on the one hand I can't, wrap my brain around it, I will say this. I will say that the last several years of being an American who identifies as a Jesus follower and as a Christian has given me a remarkable amount of understanding from a perspective of like, I look at people who are not only perpetuating, maybe unknowingly, but who are advocating for behaviors and who are saying like, I'm doing this because the Bible says so. I am doing this because Mm -hmm. this is what God wants for me and for my fellow Americans. And I look at that and I am so mind boggled by it because I'm like, I think we're reading the same Bible. Mm -hmm. And I think we say that we ascribe to the same God. And that is literally the exact opposite conclusion than I am drawing from this right now. Right. And so it's like, you know, if that were somebody of an entirely different ideology or religion, I feel like it would be so easy to be like, well, I just, I don't get that. I don't understand how you could come to that conclusion. But I imagine that there are millions and millions of Muslims who are like, you're taking the same text that we are and you are doing something with it. And then the danger that happens when someone says like, I'm doing this and I have God behind me. I think we're seeing that unfold, not just in, you know, far flung places like Afghanistan, but I think I'm seeing it in cities across America right now. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So anyway, (laughs) that sounds fun. Just like a giant sign behind Annie's head as we were talking about the Taliban and religiously motivated violence and the sign behind her head just says that sounds fun. If anybody expected us to show up and be any different than us, it's because they don't know us. So me, Annie and Liz, we go from laughing to crying pretty quickly. But it's true. So let's talk about that. You are someone who your brand, right, 
is fun. You're this Enneagram 7. You have a podcast that's called That Sound Fun. You are someone who teaches us and leads us and shows us in the way of delight and joy and fun. But yet, I think we live in this culture that very much so like puts that in opposition to things like grief or sorrow or, you know, Mm -hmm. these like serious conversations that 30 seconds into a podcast we start talking about. I would love to hear your how do you navigate that? How do you navigate like being someone who pursues joy and also someone who creates space for things that aren't joyful, that are full of a lot of grief and sorrow? Well, you know, I would say the first thing is that what culture usually sets up as the opposite of fun is maturity, right? Mm. They often don't go like, you're either having fun or you're serious. They often say you either think about fun or you're grown up. Interesting. Right? Yeah. But what actually happens when you're a proper grown up and when you've done some work on your emotional and mental health is that you realize that actually what is true is that the more mature you are, the wider the spectrum of your emotions and the fuller your amount of feelings. And, and what I learned, and I wrote about this and that sounds fun in the book, what I learned over the last few years of my of counseling and of being in, I've been in counseling since 2013 pretty regularly. And one of the things I learned is that as I got healthier emotionally, my feelings didn't get smaller. They got wider. Yeah. Right. I thought when I got healthier that my bigs were going to be smaller and my sads were going to be smaller, but they never were. Yeah. They never were. I was always as excited (laughs) or as sad or as thrilled. I mean, my heart is on my sleeve no matter what. Yeah. And so when you ask me that question, you know, the, the initial thought is the thing I hear pushback about fun the most is I don't have time mm, and yeah. there's too much going on in the world. Yeah. But the reality is you make time for everything that not you, Liz, but you, Liz, but all yes. of us, Yeah, you make time for what makes us the healthiest versions of ourselves. And so if you believe that you have to exercise every day, it does not matter what your calendar says or what's going on in the world. You How do I become that type of person? Do you yeah, write right. about that? Get that priority? <laughs> exactly. Everybody sleeps every night as best they can because they realize that they actually can't do their life. It does not matter what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter what else is going on in your life. You have to sleep. And everybody makes time to eat unless you're fasting. Everybody makes time to shower on a regular basis, right? At some point. But, and so I say all that to say to you that like what I actually push back on with people a lot is is the belief that I genuinely have that while you are experiencing sadness, could you also find some fun? While you are experiencing a busy calendar, can you make a little space for enjoyment? Where is the balance of what makes you healthy? And I think laughter and fun and joy and really deep breathing (laughs) uh, brings a lot of life to your life. And the only way we have the endurance to do the terrible is to make space for the good and the fun and the light. And so I think they really go hand in hand. I mean, that's what we learned from Inside Out, right? Is that they actually go better together than apart. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the depth of emotion, I really believe that the depth of joy, excitement that you can feel in your life is actually very related to the depths that you can hold negative emotions. 100%. When people tell me I've decided I'm not going to hope anymore for whatever Mm. they're hoping for, or I'm just, I don't have time to think about fun. I think, man, you're cutting off. Or if they'd say, I'm not going to feel sad about that. I'm just going to move on. I'm not going to feel sad. I'm like, 
you're actually cutting off a lot of emotions if you cut off any emotions. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. So yesterday, um, so Theo, he's our five-year-old. I adore him. It's been a thing in our family that he can't have gum until he turns eight. Eight is arbitrary, but it's this general sense that maybe by eight, you won't accidentally swallow things you're not supposed to swallow. Well, sure. we bent our rule for a series of, I thought, good reasons. And he got to have a piece <laughs> of gum yesterday. And he was there. He earned three stickers. He had done a lot of a lot of great things to earn this piece of gum. He was so elated, so elated to eat this piece of gum. We did the whole spiel. Like you got, you know, when you're done, you throw it away in the trash right. can. You can't swallow it. So he's had the gum. He's been chewing it for probably like two hours. And he comes oh down. Oh my gosh. He comes down the stairs and he peeks his head kind of around. And his dad and I are like sitting on the couch and he goes, mom. I was like, yeah, bud. He was like, I swallowed the gum. <laughs> And so I was like, oh, no, like, well, are you OK? You know, he's like, yeah, I'm OK. And I was like, well, you know, buddy, that's why that's why we had thought it would be a good idea to wait until you're older. It's you know, it's hard not to swallow it. And it sounds like gum is going to need to be something that we hold off for a few years on. You know, he walks into his room and Annie, the sound of his sobbing and oh. wailing. I mean, this intense just weeping like this gnashing of the teeth weeping and so ben and i are kind of listening in all the way from downstairs and from downstairs i hear him going why why did i do that like how he goes how could i have let that happen and he is sobbing and i just was like literally i was like i gotta go upstairs and my thought in going and being with him in this like just absolute grief was like I don't ever want to forget how to feel that deeply like I'm actually not going to go up there to like usher you out of these feelings and help you calm down and take deep breaths and get it in control because it's gum right but instead being like what if it's not about the gum and what if it's about like I just am going to go and go up there and just literally sit in that because I think as a human it will do my soul good to just sit and in the yes. practice of going like, what if I could just feel a little ounce of what you're feeling right now? Which it doesn't matter that it's a stupid thing. It's about one piece of gum because to you, it actually matters so deeply. Yep. And there is so much regret and loss mm. and like devastation that you're yes. experiencing right now. And I'm just going to like, I'm going to go up and I'm just going to sit with you in it. And we're just yeah. going to, we're just for as long as it takes to get like through this. But it's just like, I think to your point of being people who in pursuit of fun and in pursuit of joy and in pursuit of light actually counterintuitively allow ourselves to embrace more difficult emotions so that that well that we can have is actually just deeper for even the good stuff and even for the light and for the fun. Yeah. One of my best friends yesterday said, we were just talking about life and she said, have you thought about getting in your car and just screaming? (laughs) Okay, who is your friend? Who is your friend? Because I, you know her, that used to work for me, Eliza. Okay, I know Eliza. I am here for that. That is one of my absolute coping mechanisms. I will tell you this. Yes, I just told my best friends this. This was probably three weeks ago. Ben and I got in a huge fight. Well, we didn't get in a huge fight. A conflict happened, okay? And neither Ben or I are conflict averse at all. So typically Uh our style is like, when it happens, we talk about it and we talk about it and we go there and we problem solve until we reconcile. I've been trying to slow my roll a little bit Uh in conflict. 
because my instinct is towards like, we have to fix this. And oh, I'm going to tell you how you wronged me right now. Yeah. Taking a step back. It's very counterintuitive for me. So we have this moment, a fissure occurs in the relationship. And I'm like, I need to take a moment. So I did. And I was feeling real good about myself. And I just like, I had to go pick up dinner. And so I walked outside to pick up dinner and I sat in our minivan in front of our house, Annie Downs, and I raged. (laughs) Like I was literally, I just, it was so freeing because it was like, I knew, well, I thought no one could hear me. My gosh, I swear the neighbors, I was like, if something bad happens on this street. And I'm going to say everyone knows each other on your street. I am the number one murder suspect (laughs) for how I acted in that minivan. If if a neighbor was like watching, I mean, I just completely raged. And it was this really fascinating thing where like, at some point, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but if I let myself feel my emotions to the furthest degree and I act them out, at some point, I go so far that I'm like, okay, you could probably actually rein it in a little bit. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. are you that mad about what just happened? But yeah. it's almost like I have to let myself, I've done this with crying too, with just like sobbing, that it's like I almost have this moment out of body, like my spirit rises up and it's just like looking at little Liz and being like, was it that bad? What uh-huh, happened? You know? Uh-huh. And yes. it almost like makes me go like, okay, no, probably not. We can tone it down a little bit. Like it's fair and you should pursue, you know, that conflict and figuring out how to avoid that in the future. But like, yes. it's almost like, but you can't do that in front of other people. And you can't do that when you know there could be, cause I don't want to wound people with that. I don't want right. to scare people with that. It's like, that's kind of on me. So if I can create this space where I can just rage, which for me has become in my minivan. And then I turned on Hamilton. Ben thinks I blew out our minivan speaker because I turned on Hamilton so loud, went to go get our tacos, raged the whole way. And by the time I got back, I was like, I can have a conversation about this. Yes. Yes. I mean, the reason this matters, particularly in the plucking up world where you and I are both business owners, Mm. is that with employees and is that these people spend a lot of time with me and Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time with them. Mm -hmm. And the same is true in my relationships outside of work, much like your marriage, my dating relationships, my friendships. Like I need to let the most steam out alone. Mm hmm. Because I do not want to wound people. 25-year-old Annie would have said like, no, let her rip, man. Like, that's part of making it right. Is everybody just getting the same place and going? And and I just have not found that to be a successful tool. Yeah. I find the more successful tool is to let myself feel what I really feel and believe it and then calm into it a little bit. You don't have to to wait till you're back to room temperature. Totally. But let it happen outside of your body a little bit before other people get involved again. Yes, I think that's a way that, and again, I guess it depends on which way you're oriented towards because I have friends who are so terrified of conflict and so terrified of bad feelings that their self-work actually is in probably like, I'm going to do this right here Step in. Right, in the right. midst of the heat. I'm going to let people into that. And then I think for right. people like you and I that maybe feel really big feelings saying like, how can I set up the parameters to feel these in a way that won't have unintended consequences on those that I love, yes. that it's still a need for me to be able to experience that. Yes. So let's talk you brought in the plucking up world. So I would love to hear, you know, the whole point of this podcast. So, and we've, you know, done the fancy intro on you. So everybody knows that you're this, you are the original podcaster you oh, you had the first podcast ever didn't you world. i'm just kidding yeah no i wish i wish 
<laughs> Didn't your origins of your podcast actually start as something kind of funny though? That it wasn't yeah, like yeah. A, I, I just did. It was one just like interview an interview. Did, yeah, I didn't have anywhere to release it, so they just told me to to. The PR person said, have you thought about starting a podcast? And I said, that sounds fun. And that was literally it. So, I love it. So you run this, you run what you would call, would you call it a media company? Sure. You can call okay. it that. Yeah. Okay. So you're a podcaster, you're a teacher, you are an author, a writer, yep. a speaker, you run your own business. How many employees do you have nowadays? So we also have the podcast network that that sounds fun. Oh, that's network. right. Yeah. And so the network has myself and another co-owner. And then it has three full-time employees. Okay. And then my company, Downs Books, which is my podcast, my writing, speaking, all that stuff. We have two full-time and three part-time. Okay. So the deal is it would be very easy to look at your life and to look at all of the successes and the best-selling books and the hugely popular podcast and to be like, she's got it. She's got it. She's arrived. And it just looks fun. And it looks like everything that Annie does comes really easy to her. And I would love if you would be gracious enough. Is there a story? Is there a plucking up moment that you can share in, in the midst of, you know, over the last decade as you've built a really, really beautiful life of purpose and passion and impact, truly living into your gifts and who you're created to be. Um, Tell us about one of the moments where it it didn't feel like it was working out that way. Didn't feel like this is where the story was going to go. I mean, the funny part is I didn't have to think up one. I had to narrow (laughs) down. Right. Because the actual reality, and I think a lot of your friends listening know this and you and I know this profoundly the actual reality of leading a company is a series of mistakes yeah. that you learn from and do the next thing differently and a series of failures that, I mean, you know, I've tried to walk away from this thing multiple times when something failed. Mm. It just happens all the time. But I'll tell you the w- one that I thought of that I, I have not, I'm an avid listener to your show. So I haven't heard people talk about this a lot, but Ooh. the hiring process mm. and adding someone new to your team Maybe four years ago, we went through the process. There was only two of us at the time, and I was replacing my number two, Eliza. It was actually Eliza. Yeah. She was moving on. And my highest skill set is not interviewing, hiring, finding the right fit, and building the good staff culture. We work at it a lot, but it's not my impact. So four years ago, I actually offered the job to the wrong person and laid in my bed that night and thought... That's not who I want. <gasps> this, so it was it was so fast. It was that night you realized that you had made the mistake. Yes. yes. And what was it between? So I agree. Hiring is so hard. I'm so before we even get into this, I'm curious about what is particularly difficult for you. What is it that you feel like you lack that makes you a great team yeah. builder and hirer? Um, I like everybody. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's the problem is I like everyone I've ever met and everyone I haven't met. And so everyone I've ever met, of course, come work here. Of course. You would fit, I, we love being <laughs> We've eaten lunch a few times. You have a skill set. I pay you to do something in that yeah. skill set here in this place because I like being around you. And so yeah. when we were interviewing, particularly back then for that job, I liked everyone that interviewed. And I thought, yes, I can see it. And so I have to, so I'm just not, for lack of a better word, I'm not shark enough. Mm. to not care how much I like people. Yeah. And that's a very real, like, I struggle with that as well. We have completely revamped our hiring process to Mm -hmm. account for it. Our interviews, Mm -hmm. 
have gone from what I thought were the most fun, like we could be drinking, you know, a glass of rosé and telling our life stories. And that's a great interview because I'm really getting to know somebody to if you ever interview at Sacred Designs, you will know that we have the most boring interview process ever. Like we literally it's called top grading. We just go through what was the job? What were you hired to do? What did you do? What rate this rate this rate this? It's so Boring. boring. And yes. we ask the same people the exact same questions. And the goal is to like not get off of that so that at the end you have five candidates and all five candidates have answered the exact same question yes. about their skill set, about their experience, about, you know, whatever. Because if you left it up to me, I'm like, mm, by the end of this, how do we compare your very rich, interesting story of growing up, you know, in like traveling with your boho mom through Indonesia to this guy's experience of like, right. I just, it'll just all be narrative and it'll have right. nothing to do with the job. And that's not how you build a great team, unfortunately. No, unfortunately. And I- How am, you build a great friend group, maybe. Certainly. <laughs> and and I just am not Taylor Swift who can just surround and just have the money to surround myself with my best friends and then not have another job. So, yeah. so it has been, I mean, so we're like you, we have a much more intense process now, a lot. And my solution was getting myself out of the way, mm. was really going like, don't get me involved until we're almost done. Until it's other people who have, who actually have the yeah. skill set, who can yeah. look strategically at our company, at what we need, at the gaps we have that we need filled. If somebody else can look at all that and then say, hey, Annie, here are the final two. Now you go and you do your magic because mine yeah. is magic, right? Yeah. Like I have magic here. And so do the people who are doing the parts before me. It's just different magic. Yeah. But because I am the boss and because in the end, it matters that we do all like each other to me. Yeah. Yeah. I have to mix in at some point, but I just mix in way later way than I later. used to mix in. So when you're laying in bed that night, what is, oh. and you're like this, I, I made the wrong call. Tell us if you can go back and I don't even know how the story works out, but you do. But if you can try to not think about that right now mm -hmm. and just go to the moment where you're laying in bed and you're going, I plucked up, I made the wrong call. Tell us about that. Tell us about yeah. the narrative. Like, what did that look like? It was not long after we hung up and the person had accepted the job that I thought, it was the wrong one. We were down to two and and I just gave the rose to the wrong one. You know, I, I Jason Marnick, is that his name? <laughs> From The Bachelor who proposed to the wrong girl and then made it right. Oh, no. Molly. Yeah, that was me. And so we hung up the phone and I thought, did I really just do that wrong? And, and someone else had been in the interview process with me, my manager at the time. And so I called her and I said, I offered it to this person and I, I think I regret that. And she was like, fix it right now. You know that there's a saying, hire slow, fire fast, right? Yeah, and yep. and while this was not a firing, it was a sort it out fast. Yeah. And so, oh, it was just awful. I And that's what you did? Call, yeah, I didn't call her back that day. Okay. I Because I thought to myself, I don't trust you <laughs> in this scenario, yeah. right? Like I have proven to myself repeatedly mm. that I'm not trustworthy in this scenario. And so I said, I don't trust you, Annie. So let's sleep on it tonight and wake up tomorrow and see what we feel. We, all of me that are in here, but see what I felt the next morning. And I woke up the next morning. I was like, that was a mistake. And so I called her first, the one who I'd offered the job to. And I said, cause we had uh, somehow the conversation had ended on, okay, let's circle back about salary or hours or something. I can't remember. There was a Yes, I'd love the job. Thank you so much. Okay, let's talk tomorrow about details. 
And so there was reason to call anyway. But I just said, hey, I'm really sorry. But I've thought about it more. And I bet you have too, like hoping (laughs) she would say, I'm not the right fit either, but she didn't. And I was like, and I think this isn't the job for you. And it was like, what? I mean, it was awful. It was so painful. We had already known each other. We were already in friendship relationship. No, no. And so that was really damaged for a while, for probably years, probably. And then I called the person that I did think was right, which I had not said that. I had not. One of the strategies I have learned that I've actually paid attention to is don't say no to anybody until the right person has said yes. Mm -hmm. And so you offer it to person A on a Tuesday and you say to person B, we'll let you know by Friday. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you say to person A, you've got till Thursday. Mm -hmm. And so we we backed off of that and she, you know, it was a really hard conversation. Then I called the next person and said, Hey, I think this is the right job for you if you're interested. And, and she worked out and worked here for a really long time and was amazing. But there are a thousand things I wish I'd done different in that process that I hopefully have done with our, with the new hires we've made lately and with future hires we have. But uh, one of the most important things about plucking up (laughs) is the quest. You can't just ask yourself, what should I do different next time? You have to ask yourself, what could someone else do different next time? Mm, talk more <laughs> like, about that. Where do I need to remove as oh, the person making saying. this decision? Where do I need to remove myself? Because I actually don't have this skill set. Yeah. Right. So, so another example of that is I just did a podcast episode on that sounds fun about singleness. And a lot of questions that came in, people did Q and A. We got over 700 questions, Liz about like how to do life in this phase of life that I am currently in. Yeah, We got a ton of questions about how do you, what if you want to be a mom, but you're not married yet? Mm. Well, I have done enough plucking up in my life to know that that's not my lane Mm. and I'm not the right person to answer that. And so I didn't, but we've tagged it and thought, do we need to bring on someone who has chosen to be a single parent? Hmm. Who has chosen to have a child or adopt a child who has chosen to be a parent without a spouse or without a partner? And and so I have learned enough that that is not my lane, but I know someone whose lane that is. Hmm. And that is, to me, my leadership gets better the more I know my lane and the more I know the people that are in the other lanes. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. My company operates better when I get out of every seat I don't need to be sitting in. Okay, so listen, I just tried the green enchiladas from Real Good Foods because when they approached us to sponsor the show, I was going to try it first because y'all know I'm not going to share something with you that I don't actually believe in. So I tried these enchiladas. And people, I was pretty surprised. First of all, to be honest, I do not buy frozen meals. I haven't since like I was in college because I kind of just figured they were all either a little bit gross or packed with fake foods and things that don't nourish my body. But I tried out these enchiladas. I was very delighted by how they tasted. They were super flavorful. And even the texture felt like substantial and real. Like the shredded chicken was real shredded chicken, which by the way, it is antibiotic free also. And it took me like four minutes to make. So just win, win, win. And now Real Good Foods have actually made it to my real life grocery list for times when I need something that's quick, tasty, and healthy. So thank you, Real Good Foods. 
To learn more, you can check out realgoodfoods.com and at realgoodfoods on social. You can get $15 off a minimum $15 purchase by using the promo code PLUCKUP15. The link is in our show notes. I think a lot of leaders, there is so much fear. It's so hard. It's so hard to look at something and say, I have this vision. And this is, of course, how I wish this would be right now. And I look at the reality and that's not what's happening. And, you know, I I just said this on a podcast that I recorded like two days ago. I had a mentor once that said, Liz, your organization is perfectly designed to get the results that it's getting. And that was the most like factual, but terrifying, horrible advice I've ever been given because it doesn't deny that it's like, yeah, yeah, things are broken. But what it immediately does is it goes like, there's something about the design of this organization that is getting these results. So we can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again. We have to go back and say like, we're perfectly designed to get these results. So if we want different results, how do we redesign the organization, the project, whatever it is. But as a leader, and especially I think I would love to hear you talk about, because I don't have as many entrepreneurs on this show where their personal brand is so intertwined like you have a very personality driven company right where it's like it's downs inc or i don't know what's yeah. it actually called downs is it book downs, inc. Th- yeah. there you go downs books inc yeah where you as a human are so interwoven with the business entity that i could see that making it even more difficult to say like i have to step out of this i don't have the capacity in this certain area yeah. i'm sure you didn't just like wake up in the middle of the night and go like oh I'm not fit to be leading in this area. Somebody else could be doing it better. Like my guess is that there's years of self-work that it took to get to a point as a leader where you could even admit that to yourself. Will you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, one of the things is we had a really good rhythm for about a year of me sending emails every Friday morning to every person on my team. And it was, what's the best part of your week? Work week. I didn't want to know about the personal life. I mean, I care about the personal lives, but I was like, this was a work end of the week review. Best part of your work week, worst part of your work week. Is there anything you're waiting on from anybody to start your weekend? Because we are, we have four things we say around here all the time. Work hard, pray hard, rest hard, play hard. And so we believe in all four of those and we work toward all four of those. So on Friday mornings, I want to make sure that before everybody left on Friday afternoon, that each person had what they needed from everyone else to be finished for the week. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I was saying, what do you need from someone else? And what do you need from me? And I would answer the questions first and then my staff would answer them. And I learned a ton Hmm. because I was the only one getting the emails. And so people were saying, well, yeah, I've actually been waiting for five days on this person to design this for me. Or I've been waiting on, uh, I've been waiting two days for this person to respond to this email. So people would talk about emails and I go, why are we doing emails? Let's all stop inner office emails, Slack only. And you have to get back, you know, so things like that, I could make real quick tweaks. Yeah. And then when it started happening, Liz, is I started getting too busy to send the emails on Fridays. Mm, mm-hmm. And then I was like, "Not this is telling me everything. Yeah. Not only am I not connected with my staff, I don't have time to get connected. Yeah. And so what's going on with them that I don't know because I was learning so much before. So that was probably one of my big trigger moments was going like, hey, if you don't have time to ask how people are professionally, Hmm. you need to find someone who does have time. Who does. Yeah, that's good. And the other option is because not all of us and I, you know, I have three jobs I'd love to hire for that I don't have the money for. Yeah. So there is growth that we are waiting on 
that exist. And there are tribes that will say to you, if you hire first, then the work comes. And that's sometimes true. Like when you're going from zero employees to one assistant, it is a hundred percent true. Find the money and get the person and the job will increase. Their hours will be full before you know what to do. Right. But when we're at this size, we are kind of where I have to hire based on what I have financially. Yeah. So all that to say, if, if that's where you are, where it's like, well, I can't bring anybody else on, but we have a real problem. If that was me right now, I would have to pick a part of my job that is my best seat and put it on hold. Yeah. Like, okay, well, we can't travel right now because travel adds this, 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 and this, and I don't have the bandwidth for that. So we can't travel. I can't. So right now for me, outside of touring, and my home church, I'm not speaking. Hmm. I don't have the bandwidth for it. I don't have the time on my calendar to prepare to travel, much less travel. And I'm very disciplined or high boundary about if I'm speaking somewhere on a Friday, there's a two hour window in my week where I'm preparing. Yeah. Because I don't want to just show up and have having not prepared and just fly by the seat of my pants, which you and I are both skilled enough to do that. We have enough reps that we can fake it on a stage, but that has gotten me in trouble twice. And, and so, twice is enough. Yeah, that's right. Twice, once should have been enough, but <laughs> the Lord is gracious and compassionate wait, with me. Wait, how bad was it? Was this a pluck um, up? I mean, I no, I, I walked off stage and I thought, I'm not sure that helped anybody, but mm, I got it done. Yeah. And I thought yeah. that is gross. Yeah. That is yeah. gross. And yes. that is negligent. Yeah. And that is unkind to these people. And you actually shouldn't even take their money. Yeah. That one time and the other time, Liz, I had not prepared. It was a huge event. I was the headliner and it was in January and it was supposed to start snowing at lunchtime. And my flight was at 6 a.m. And it started snowing at 4 a.m. And the whole airport shut down and I couldn't get there. And I lost a ton of money. And people kept saying things to me. Like when I was like doing Insta stories of like, I'm trying, I'm trying. I can't drive there. There's no flight. People were saying, I bet God wants you to rest. I bet God wants you to rest. And in my guts, I was like, something else is going on. And I mean, I had my Bible and my journal open, Liz. This is a very charismatic story, but it's you and me. And I said to the Lord, I was like, what's the story? Like, what's this about? And super clearly he said, if you don't show up at practice, I can't put you in the game. Woo-wee. And wow. and I was like, oh, you changed the weather pattern because <laughs> I was disobedient and I will never, never, never be her again. So that's why. I, and so then when we get into moments like this, where my bands are as wide as they can go and I cannot mm-hmm. do more, mm-hmm. we have to say no to those kind of things because I could show up on a Friday night, but I can't show up on a Wednesday afternoon to prep. And so therefore I can't show up for y'all on a Friday night right now, unless it's our tour. Yeah. Ooh. Also the tour life looks so fun. It also looks exhausting. What it requires to show up day after day and to get Mm -hmm. other people. Like I imagine that that's it. There's a ton of work that goes into that. What are some of the things that you do do to, you had mentioned keeping people healthy and happy. Yeah. Um, Talk to us a little bit about that. How do you lead through those seasons of work where it's just like all in? Well, I'll tell you, for touring is real interesting, but I think it can relate to a lot of seasons that we all get into. So I'll tell you what we do on touring, and then everybody can just translate it into tax season or launch season or Back to school whatever. season, what yes, are, all yes. the things. Yes. So for example, our, we tour three weeks in a row. So we're home about two or three days in three weeks. 
And so one of the things I say to every person who comes on my tour before we start is that my number one goal is you are healthier when we're done than when we Mm. started. Wow. Because I see a lot of people come home from tours. Living in Nashville, we see people come home from tours all the time who are not tired, but exhausted. Yeah. And who have not gotten any sleep and who have ate, drank, moved their body, whatever, done it in a way that makes them worse off when they get home. And if your emotional health and your physical health are suffering, your spiritual health probably did too. And and I've been on tours where people suffered and I watched and I thought, when I am the boss, Mm. here's what we will not do, Mm. you know? And, and so we have a couple of rhythms. For starters, it's a conversation at the start with each of them, like mm-hmm. an Annie to crew conversation. Hi, my name is Annie. What's your name? Uh, we have a guy named Nate who goes with us. We call him 90 Nate because he was born in 98. How are people born in 98 having jobs? It's not, it's not right. It's your <laughs> employee. That's child labor. Clearly. Right, right, Clearly right. he's 12. Right. And you're so employing minors. Night, on the day we meet, we have a conversation. Hey, I'm Annie. Hey, you're 90 Nate. Listen. I'm so glad you're going with us. I need you to let me know what you need from me over the next three weeks because my goal is that you're healthier at the end. Mm-hmm. So I say that to everybody. So it starts with the conversation. It's a every other day of tour check-in for me. Wow. Where I just where I'm just walking by them at catering or yeah. we're sitting next to each other in the venue. I go, hey, are you good? Is there anything you need? Are you getting time? Do you want to exercise? Are you getting time to exercise? Are you staying up forever or are you getting some sleep? Because I really want you to make sure you're getting sleep. Is is everybody getting along okay from what you're seeing? Like, I mean, hmm. I just kind of do like touch points yeah. through the week. We do a staff meeting every day that everybody has to stop and be at. We have to have one point of the day where we are all together. It's about 3.30 in the afternoon. So Liz, the other thing about touring is most of us don't have to wake up super early. Like mm. usually the day starts at nine-ish. Okay. And you don't have to look like a person, right? At yeah. nine o'clock, you're just going into the venue and you're meeting the people hosting you and you're eating breakfast and you're setting up your computer. And and so we really don't have to be people, as I say. You don't have to like yeah. show up. The crew guys start pretty quick loading in. But most people don't have to be like showered and dressed in a person until 3.30 or 4. Yeah, okay. And so we do that team meeting that always has a spiritual element to it as mm. well as a, just a check-in element. And then we're, I'm careful about the food that is on mm. tour. I'm not putting people on diets. I'm not making them eat a certain <laughs> way. But we do have a conversation of like, hey, on our last night before we come home, for sure, let's have pizza. Let's like blow it out. Yeah. But let's also have healthy options the rest of the time because we need energy and we need to be able to do. So that's kind of how we run that system. Would you, can I tell you now how I've had to pluck up from it? Yes. Because I am the one whose voice has to last every night. Yeah. And I'm the one who has to shake hands and hug everybody who wants to, you know, for example, our tour was 12 cities. And we had a hundred VIPs in every city. So I hugged 1200 people over three weeks. Yeah. So I had to learn as we went through, what do I need Yeah. <laughs> to like, not feel like I'm losing my mind or my voice. Yeah. And the first couple of days I thought, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just go, just go. And then I wasn't. And, and I mean, I was, you're, this is so dumb. One of the nights I came off stage and I got teary talking to one of the promoter guys. I said, does everybody have fun without me while I'm on stage? What are you guys doing? I feel like everybody's hanging out without me. And he was like, are, are you kidding? And I was like, no, I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. Hmm. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I have to go to bed early. 
Look, I'm feeling teary yeah, telling you Yeah, you it. are. You're looking so tender. It, but I had to say, mm. I've, I've spent so many days making sure it's okay. I need to say out loud that I feel very lonely on this yeah. tour. Mm. Even though one of my best friends is on tour with us as my number two, even though the tour manager I knew, even though so many people I love, I kept having to be a, physically alone. <sighs> even because when you're on stage, you know this no matter the size of the audience, you're alone. Yeah. Yep. And so I thought, or is everybody else having fun without me? (laughs) (laughs) What I love about that is it is such a powerful reminder. And man, if I feel like if there's one lesson that I just continue to learn over and over and over again, it is that you walk into every single relationship pretty much going, I have no idea. I have no idea how you are. I have no idea how connected (laughs) you're feeling. I have no idea how healthy you are you can tell me and I will believe you because, you know, it's just that to me is the epitome of you're literally on a tour called That Sounds Fun. You're I, a Dolly Ward. living on a bus. You are living on a bus with all of your best friends and you're having this amazing time and people are coming from all over to take photos with, what did you call her? Tanny Annie, the Tanny cardboard Annie. cutout yes, of you, yes. right? It is just the epitome of like living the dream. And it's like, that is the moment that I want to capture in my brain is sweet, sweet Annie walking off stage, by the way, having probably just made so many people laugh and you are super high energy and everyone else in the audience is now feeling super connected and inspired. They're so happy. And I walk up to Joseph and I start crying. And you just start crying saying like, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And I feel so alone. And I just feel like if we in the world walked around, assuming that that could be a possibility for any one of us at any moment in time, regardless of what the circumstances look like, mm-hmm. that that would be such a gift, such a gift that we could give to one another. Yeah. And to tell the, I mean, the repair I had to do is I had walked off stage three or four nights feeling that and hadn't told anybody. And so my pluck up moment was going, say this out loud yeah. because you are assuming that there's a party on the bus while you're on stage when actually everyone's working. Everyone is working. Like, of course, there's not. You can see four of them. Yeah. Right? Like, you see them. Of course, they're not having a party. Oh, my God. But isn't that the thing? I don't know about you, but, man, I am a prolific creative writer in my brain. Like, the stories that I can come up with, if I just keep them inside my head, and if I never have to be accountable to them and I never speak them out loud, ooh, child, they can get rich and twisty and dimensional. And I have all of the reasons for what is happening and why it's happening and who did what. And then it's like the moment we actually are brave enough to tell that story. One of like, that's the language that I love to use in relationships, whether that's with my team, with Ben, with my best friends. When I'm like approaching something that feels really tender, one of the things sometimes that I say is like, hey, Here's the story I'm telling myself right now because it acknowledges the truth of the experience that I'm having, but then it is also creating space for me to receive new information that corrects that story. And I find that like nine out of 10 times when I'm brave enough to say the story out loud, the person that I'm saying that to is like, oh, bless. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what the real story is. Or, you know, I've just. They were all like, no. And then they were because everyone I tour with are monsters. They were all like. Hey, everybody ready for the party tomorrow night while Annie's on stage? I'm like, y'all are the worst people. Y'all are actually the worst people I've ever known. And I and I fire you all and I'll rehire you in 10 minutes. So you're all fired right now. 
<laughs> but the, I and I was fine. The jokes made me laugh too, right? Like, yeah. Like I went like I hear myself. Like when I hear yeah. y'all making this joke, I hear myself and what this has actually been. And I'm ridiculous. I know. I know. But if I had never said it out loud, yeah, I would have gone twelve nights yeah. of going. No one knows. No one knows. Yeah. And they should yep. know. Yes. Oh. Uh, and it's such a gift. It is such a gift that we can give people, whether people that we're in relationship with yes. to know that it's like the illumination that happens to yes. these like really twisty stories. When you have a group of people that love you going like, Oh, that's not true. Yes. Like, that is so not the truth of who you are or what, you know, whatever it yes. is that it's just like, and those are the moments where we build. That's where community is created. Yes, that's right. So, okay, Annie, I know enough to know that there's something new ish that you're working on. You know, everything. you're wading into a new project that feels very new to you. Yeah. Something you've never done before. We don't have to talk about what it is. What I want to talk about is how you feel okay. right now in the midst of like, I've never done this before. Yeah. And I don't have expertise in this area. I don't have a track record. I'm putting myself out there. Will you just tell us a little bit about where you are in that process and what it feels like to be yeah. a beginner again? I don't mind telling what it is if you don't. Okay. If you don't, I'm writing a novel and I've never okay. written a novel. I've only written nonfiction. And so um, where I am right now is I keep putting it off. I keep okay. not yep. starting Check. it because... If I start it, then I have to finish it. That's just kind of the way this goes. And if I start, I have to finish it. And if I finish it, other people will read it. And if other people read it, they may not like it. And I've never done this before. Yeah. But man, I, even as you're saying that, even as you raise that question, I think of our friends who are in new parents or in new relationships or at a new job of like, so you've never done this before and you don't know what to do and you're doing your best, but you don't know if it's going to work. So what do you feel? <laughs> and I just feel everything. Yeah. I mean, I feel scared. There is no amount of past success mm. that in a different area that makes me feel confident about success in this area. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't have a track record to go with. And it's been, a, to be honest, it's been a long time since I didn't have a track record. Yeah. Most of the things we build, we build off of if a small version of this worked, a big version will work. Totally. Or yep. if that book worked and you've been building your audience, this book will work more. Right. Yep. Yep. And this is a, um, I don't have any proof that this is going to work. And I don't need, I haven't all the way defined what working is either. And I yeah. think that's really important is you have to define success before you try to meet success or you will never meet success. And so as I get to writing, we'll define what it looks like for now. Doing it is success. When I finish a novel, I'll have written a novel and that will be by spring. It has to be done by spring. And so in less than a year, I'll have at least had my first level of success with this and then I finished it. Woo. Um, I know. I literally feel a little bit sick, like for Thank you. Thank you for understanding. Like, I literally feel so nervous. And it's funny, you know, I just gave this talk last week and I talk a lot about this idea that as leaders and as creators, one of the things we have to consciously do mm -hmm. is dive back into stage two of the learning journey, which is conscious incompetence. Mm, mm. And it is so difficult and it requires so much of us. It is such a hit to our confidence, to our ego to say like, I'm diving back in. And to me, this is such a picture of that. It's like, I've nailed this. I have expertise in this area. I know what I'm doing and I could stay here and just keep rinsing and repeating forever and ever. Amen. Mm -hmm. And I just feel so proud of you Thanks. that there was like a moment where you decided yeah. like I could Mm -hmm. Or I can dive back in and yeah. I can start 
so, so fresh and so new. And as a beginner, which I think is more difficult to do once you've achieved mastery or expertise in some level, for sure. It is so much harder to do something new when you're known for doing something else well. Yes, yes, yes. But you got, we got to try because the only reason I'm good at anything is because I started. Yep. At some point, right? I have to say to myself what I say to the people all the time, like, write the book. It'll sort itself out. Write the book. And I'm like, write the book, write the book, write the book. book. (laughs) I'm writing the book. Well, I'm so proud of you. I could talk to you for 10 more hours. Ugh, I but, wish um, you're the best. I can't Congrats. wait. I'm really, really thrilled. You have one reader. You have one you. novel reader who will run out to the bookstore, who will order it Ugh. ASAP. Thank uh, you. I can't wait to see. Uh, and I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be in the presence of people who are willing and brave enough to say, like, I'm going to start over in this area. I'm going to try something new and I'm going to put myself out there. Um, so thanks for continuing to do that and sharing your magic with us. My pleasure. I love you, friend. I love you. podcast was made possible in part by my amazing producers a human group media for updates and announcements about the show you can also visit lizbohannon.co or follow me on instagram at lizbohannon or at human group media or human underscore media on twitter all right that's all we'll catch you again in the next episode and until then stay plucky